hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Last week, I did a show called The Direction of Interest Rates. I know I could have come up with something a bit more catchier, but if you weren't able to listen, my point was that the market was acting like it was convinced that short-term rates wouldn't go over 3%. When I did the math, the market was pricing in the Fed funds rate to increase to 2.37% this year and 2.84% next year with no increases priced in for 2020 and beyond. With fiscal policy being extremely stimulative, wage growth accelerating and credit growth picking up, well, those numbers just didn't add up for me. It just didn't make sense. I think that rates can go a lot higher than what people were expecting. Now, I had no idea that the rates would take off like they did. As a matter of fact, I said it was even possible for rates to go down in the short term. If we had a sell-off in the market, investors could very well sell stocks and seek safety in bonds. But to reiterate my point, I think rates could go higher than people expect. And the implication being that bonds, especially bonds with long maturities, would suffer. On the bright side, feels pretty darn good to finally be earning some type of return on my cash. So the obvious question is, the strategy question is, what do we do now? Today, I'm going to try and answer that question. I have three places I want to look now and one I want to avoid. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. We'll be talking about the markets. Earnings season unofficially kicks off this shortened trading week with the big banks starting to announce earnings on Friday. October has always been a scary month, hasn't it? And not just because of Halloween. September has historically been a negative month for stocks, but not this year. That's behind us now. Now, October, October has the reputation for being the crash prone month. So a pickup in volatility wouldn't surprise me. We had a bit of a pullback over the last few days. Let's not forget the markets, meaning both the Dow and the S&P, hit new records last week as investors celebrated the new trade agreement between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. But now, the market seems capped by the sudden rise in interest rates. Why did rates go higher? There's the perception that the economy is running a bit hot now, and I think that's right. Look no further than the labor market. The September employment report showed that unemployment rate plunged to 3.7%. That's the lowest in 50 years. If you want a job, well, you should be able to find one. I remember when I was in high school, go Falcons, one of my teachers said that the natural rate of unemployment was about 5%. And that always stuck with me. I don't know if 5% is the natural rate of unemployment. I don't know if that's accurate. But it seems to me that we're well beyond full employment at this point. 
Aside from the employment figures, the ISM non-manufacturing index jumped to its highest level since 1997, and it's the second highest on record. Non-manufacturing sectors account for the majority of the economy. So we all know at this point, the U.S. economy is doing really well, maybe even too well. If it continues to gain strength, the Fed may be forced to raise rates faster and further than what people are anticipating. I'm also leery of the market technicals at this point. Despite hitting those new highs last week, the broad market continues to deteriorate. Less than half of all the S&P and NASDAQ stocks trade below their 50-day moving average. And the number of new 52-week lows, well, it doubled from the previous week. There's only been a few stocks and a few sectors that have been doing all the heavy lifting. And to truly have a healthy market, you want to see everyone moving in the right direction. The outside looks really good. The inside, well, not so much. I think that until we see market breadth improve, and sentiment become a bit more pessimistic, well, we need to stay a bit cautious here. Let's talk about earnings. The banks kick it off this week with the big ones uh, reporting on Friday. And I'll come back to them in a little bit. As of today, the S&P is expected to report earnings growth of 19.2%. Earnings growth of 19.2% for the third quarter. I actually think we get north of 20%. And the reason I say that is because of positive earnings surprises. Over the last five years, more than 70% of the companies reported positive earnings earnings surprises of about 4.5%. And if this holds true, then you're looking at earnings growth coming in at better than 20%. That would be the third consecutive quarter of 20% plus earnings growth. That's pretty darn strong. The economy's doing well. Earnings are going to have to be pulling the weight here because I don't think we get much in the way of multiple expansion. Let's step away. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, I want to talk about where I think we should be looking for value now. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in just a moment. You've worked hard, you've saved and invested. Now you wanna make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. If you have a question for the show, you can email us, send it to podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. And if you want to learn more about us and well, what we do for our day jobs, you can visit us, visit our website, 
It's XMLFG.com. We are an independent registered investment advisor. We have a deep bench of talent. We have financial planners, advisors, CPAs, estate planning attorneys, and of course, a tremendous support staff that keeps everything working in good order. If you're looking for a conservative value-oriented advisor, well, please consider us. Let's set the table for the next uh, for the next part of our discussion here. I've talked about inflation, inflation slowly rearing its ugly head, and I think the odds that a sell-off in the bond market gains steam going into next year and beyond. Against that backdrop, where do we start searching for value? We want to look at businesses or sectors that benefit from rising rates and ones that serve as inflation hedges. If I'm right, those should be the ones that outperform in the coming quarters. And I think the ones that fit this bill are the financials, the industrials, and the oil stocks. I primarily think the financials and the industrials because they've been the laggards and they look like compelling values to me. In general, with the financials, expectations are low because of sluggish loan growth, uh, softer trading revenues, and a moderate pace of net net interest margin expansion. The financials should do well in this type of rate environment. And They flat out have underperformed. They've lagged the S&P by over 6% this last quarter, and I think they now offer some decent values. My favorite right now is Wells Fargo, symbol WFC. They're the ones who are going to report before the open on Friday. The estimates for them are to earn $1.17 for the quarter. And I think that this earnings report is going to be a whole lot noisier than a Metallica concert. They have charges for remediation in the consumer business. You know, they screwed everything up here over the last couple of years, and they're getting hit with fines and and all these costs. They have a headwind for uh, redeeming preferred shares during the quarter, and they also have a gain on sale from a loan business. All kinds of stuff happening here. So who knows what kind of knee-jerk reaction we get when they announce earnings on Friday. But I think the risk-reward scenario is pretty compelling here with shares trading at about 10 times next year's earnings estimates. That's compared to about 10 and a half times for their peers. And they have a large share repurchase authorization in place. By large, I mean, they're authorized to buy back about 9% of the outstanding shares. That doesn't mean that they will. It just means that they can't. And they have a solid dividend of about 3.2%, which should help limit any downside for the shares. I suspect that they'll raise that dividend too. I'm a buyer here under $54. But as I said, earnings could be a bit noisy. So I'd buy half now and add to it if the stock sells off after earnings announcement. Another one I like, and the one I call the best bank in America, is USB, US Bank Corp. And that's because I think they have a a better business model than all the rest of the banks. The real difference between USB and the big four, as I call them, is that they generate as much revenue from fee-based services, things like merchant processing, 
uh, issuing credit cards, debit cards, investment management services. They earn as much from that as they do from lending. Fee income is almost 45% of total revenue. And the great thing about this is you don't need as much capital to do so. So for every dollar of deposits, USB generates a higher level of profitability with much better capital efficiency than your typical bank. Another thing I like about them is that management remains focused on growing revenue while maintaining credit discipline. Now, the valuation isn't compelling, as compelling as Wells Fargo at the moment. USB trades at a premium compared to their peers, but that's usually the case because, well, they have a better business model. If I can get it under $52, I'd be happy. I own both Wells Fargo and USB, but you need to do your own research and determine if they're reasonable for your portfolio. The industrial stocks. The industrial uh, stocks should benefit from inflation and from a rising interest rate environment because they're leveled towards a Uh, the commodity cycle. In other words, industrials are an indirect inflation hedge. Industrials are a pretty broad category, but a couple that I've mentioned before are Snap-on, symbol SNA, and Federal Express, symbol FDX. Federal Express actually looks pretty darn cheap here at 13 times next year's earnings guess. Another one I'm starting to get real interested in is ITW. Illinois Tool Works. It's trading about 16 times next year's earnings guesstimate, and they're paying darn near a 3% dividend. I'm not there quite yet, but I tell you, it's starting to look more and more interesting to me. You might want to start digging on this one. They have a great balance sheet, and they're going to uh, means, and that's going to mean something going forward. They have pretty predictable earnings. You know, I'm cheap. I just want it cheaper. I suspect that I come back to this one, Illinois Tool tool Works. The oil stocks, well, they should keep performing and we could actually see a spike in oil prices. I'd say if you own them, own them. My favorite here being CVX or Chevron. And any chance that we get to work on our core, well, we should take it. The key to everything is having a reasonable financial plan in place and having a good core portfolio. Now, core stocks are the ones you want to own forever. They're that high quality type business run by great management. And there aren't many that fit into this category. The core holdings are like great friends. They're always going to be there when you need them through good times and bad. You're never going to have to worry about them. One of the ones I'd consider a core holding that looks pretty interesting now is Pepsi, P-E-P. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. If you're truly a long-term investor, then that's one you might want to look at now. In the near term, yes, they're facing pressures from input costs and from currency headwinds. But over the long run, Pepsi is going to sell more Pepsi. And they'll sell more snacks from Frito-Lay. I have to be willing to take advantage of these times when people are worried, worried about these input costs and these currency issues. It's at a point where if I didn't own Pepsi, 
I'd buy at least half. Now, there's going to be some winners and losers in this rising rate scenario. And one of the losers, I think, are going to be the utility stocks. I don't think this is a big jump because they serve as the premier fixed income proxies in the equity market. When I look at yields or dividends from the sector, I see that they're paying about three and a half percent on average. When you have the competing risk-free asset, that's the 10-year treasury, when you have the risk-free asset yielding better than 3.2%, I think investors would rather skip the equity risk and park it in treasuries. You're just not getting much in return for the additional risk of owning an equity. I'd avoid the utility stocks. That's about all we have time for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.